0: Pursuing an education abroad is a challenge no matter when you do it. It is especially challenging when you are navigating a master's program in another country during a global pandemic that keeps you from going to classes, meeting classmates or even entering the country of your university. On today's episode, I speak with three Indian architects who are in master's programs in Europe and have had their studies and everyday lives affected by COVID restrictions. My guests are Amar Chowdhury studying in Italy, Shefali Nayak in Germany, and Yarni Gokula Krishnan in England. I just wanted to let you know that the Everything Comes Together podcast has a new home online. At EverythingComesTogether.com, you can watch full episodes to get the whole story, or you can watch a treasure trove of playlists. On these playlists, a variety of creators from across the country present their experiences and opinions on a set of topics to give you a complete understanding of the work you love. Find out more at EverythingComesTogether.com so, uh, Yarni, why don't we um, start with you? Um, so what motivated you actually to, um, to go and study in the UK where you are now?
1: Well, I think um, several things. Uh, I think I'll start by saying my reason for, you know, studying a master's itself in the first place. Uh, so like, like you rightly said, I mean, it all started before uh, COVID-19 pandemic was even a thing. And um, so I would finished my architecture in India and then I had worked for a couple of years. And uh, I mean, I always felt like I've missed out on, you know, good quality education um and uh, uh and yeah i mean I, i'm a person who enjoys learning who is always even you know while working i realized that the best part about uh, it was you know picking up new things going to going into the office uh, every day and then um, just doing something new okay. so i i always knew that i was going to like you know do a masters and uh yeah i mean so i, I was working and then the timing just felt right I felt like I had enough experience to also um, know what exactly a master's that I want to do in. So, and then, you know, I applied. Yeah, so that was the reason. And then I started looking at uh, colleges and university courses in different countries. And so the main reason for choosing UK is that uh, they offer a two-year stay-back work visa. And I am, like, you know, focused on finding work after uh, studying so that was my main reason and also i think uh, the course the courses over here really aligned with my interests and i again like i want to do a one-year masters i don't want to do a two-year masters so i i think it was just like you know several things that contributed collectively towards choosing uk as my uh, yeah place of study
0: okay and uh, Shefali, how are things for you?
2: So the frivolous reason is, I like the climate here. I'm very comfortable with the climate here. It's too hot okay. in India. So once you have gone out and uh, you have experienced summer here and uh, winter here, and in over also in winters they are very like um, uh, climate-controlled uh, buildings, so um, you don't really feel that cold. Uh, and I have worked in New Delhi, which goes down to minus, And it's horrible in winters over there. So overall, I think I'm more efficient and happy as a person when the, um, I'm comfortable in the temperature. Yeah. So that's I think that's a very good
0: reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: so that's Considering
0: the, the humidity has just kicked in here, so...
2: So I've also had experience in Velour, right? So uh, after New Delhi, I was also in Velour and the heat would just kill me. And I would feel like it's all my fluid are getting sucked out of me. Even though houses were AC, workplace were AC, my car was AC, but still. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, that was one. that's one of the reasons why I'm in Europe. Another reason was, I anyway was very much interested in the subject that I'm pursuing right now. It's called uh, resource efficiency in architecture and planning. So it's a little bit more uh, in depth uh, and a little bit more technical uh, beyond sustainable architecture. So it doesn't just deal with uh, designing sustainably, but uh, material life cycles, or um, using water as a resource in urban design. So I just thought that it was a good experience that way to know that if I'm going to go in depth for for further, like in PhD, it's a good subject to start with. And uh, uh, the third most important reason is that there's no tuition fees in Germany. And uh, as I have already had a master's uh, from the UK and I've spent a lot, this time, I was like, at least I can fund my studies by myself.
0: Yeah, I think so, that's the solid reason that I, that. Yeah. until we spoke earlier, I didn't know that Germany had no uh, tuition fees yeah, at all. Germany
2: does not have tuition fee. I wouldn't say uh, about that for all the subjects because there are some subjects that are uh, categorically for international students uh, in, yeah. in universities like TU Berlin or TU Munich or... Uh, Karlsruhe Institute of Technology, so some of the places would have, but ninety percent of them don't have a tuition fee. You just pay a semester fee, which is fine. Oh. yeah.
3: And Amar, uh, how about you? Uh, for me, unlike uh, what Yali said, I had zero intentions of doing masters at all. That was not even in my foreseeable future. I was very well happy practicing in India but uh, over the course of like whatever experience I was getting is when um, there were a few aspects of my practice that really intrigued me and which was uh, the fact that architecture and urban design were perceived as two such separate things and uh, no matter how much you tried you could not get to design a building in India that would in a way give back to the street or the neighborhood as such. Because, I mean, face it, every building you design in India, you have compound walls on all four sides. So, you know, what is your building contributing to that uh, aspect? So that's when I started doing research. And for me, it was more to understand how is this field practiced and perceived in, in countries apart from India. And I had a little bit of experience early, earlier of that. So I started researching on courses that had kind of like a dual focus on architecture and urban design so because i did not want to do it purely as an MARC, nor as a master in urban design so that's when i came across a select few courses that had like a dual combination uh, you know of both these uh, these things so it will more yeah it will more to understand where i'm going and tomorrow when i want to continue practicing am i going in the right direction or are there additional possibilities of practicing and perceiving the field in a different way so i just wanted to explore my capabilities and abilities more learning. Yes. But for me, it was more about how are things perceived there in in a different space, Uh, which could have also happened if I could have gotten a job here. Like ideally, that was my plan to get to try working here to understand. But sadly, you cannot work as an architect in a different country unless you have a degree from there. So in order to do that, I got into masters.
0: Okay, so um, so which means that if you were a practicing architect here, you wouldn't be able to go and work there unless you got some sort of certification.
3: So essentially, I um, I interned like I mean yeah I since I interned abroad before, uh, even though I had finished my bachelor's degree, if I go back, I would still be an intern. I could not be hired as an architect. In order to be hired as an architect, I needed an M.Arch degree from there. I had to pass the, I had to legally be certified as an architect in whichever country I want to work in. Uh, with my Council of Architecture uh, certification, I could not do that. And if I'm not wrong, there are very, very few universities in India whose degree is actually valid elsewhere. If I'm not wrong, SEPT is one, but I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't have the facts. But the degree which I had was not valid uh, valid outside
0: India. Okay, and um, you were also talking about uh, having some experience uh, abroad, right? So, so mm-hmm. you have spent some time uh, interning in. Uh, uh, I think you were interning in France, and before that, you yeah, and I, I was were in. Uh, I think you guys met up in the UK some years ago, right?
3: Right. So, so this is like the biggest coincidence when you told that Shefali was also going to be on board, because the last we met was in 2013. Uh, we we attended a summer school workshop in University of Lincoln. Uh, it was called Rethinking Architecture. Uh, uh, and coincidentally, the lines of that was also the same, You know, blurring the lines between architecture and urban design. Uh, so that was one experience back in twenty thirteen, and in twenty fifteen, I interned in Paris for a duration of about six months. That was like a a, a part of my undergraduate compulsory internship. The reason why I did that was also I interned for six months in Chennai, and I interned for six months there, and it was more like how is it different, you know? How are these two practices so radically different from each other?
0: Yeah, and um, what did you actually um, do your internship in Paris for? I mean, I mean, I imagine it's not easy to, I mean, it's not common at least to get an internship in another country, right?
3: It isn't. In fact, uh, um, I did have to apply to multiple firms, like obviously for them to actually hire, it's not as simple as how it's in India where you know you're just like, okay, or accepted as an intern. They had to send all my details to their labor office and I had to. Uh, get insured by the company etc etc especially since I was not studying there I did not have a valid visa already to you know be there so this company was fairly very very nice and kind enough to do that and uh, I didn't even ask them and they said you come in here and as per the French law we have to take care of all your expenditure as a student so I was like I packed my bags immediately. I mean, if you're going to take care of everything for me, I I mean, I was on the next flight. Uh, (laughs) Why wouldn't you? uh, Why wouldn't I? But it wasn't easy as as a process of internship purely because I was doing all my softwares in French. Suddenly, I would type up the line command and something else would turn up altogether. Uh, So it took me like a good two weeks to just get accustomed to that change and the way they functioned like where I interned here in Chennai, all I did was drafting and model making for six months. And when I went there, they literally handed over a project to me and said that, you know, you design this project and come back to us and we'll review it for you. So uh, it was quite nice, the the fact that even though I was an intern, they kind of treated me as an architect over there. Uh, so it was, a, it was a, an experience I've, I've not had before and uh,
0: yarni was this a similar experience to what you had when you were in when you interned in dubai
1: yeah i mean pretty um, similar to like amara's experience you uh, i think like you know you were treated much more professionally you were given a lot of responsibilities uh, when i was in dubai i was working on this um, huge project which was about like you know several thousand acres and it was this um, five star luxury hotel that they were building um and there were a lot of people in the project team itself but even even with all that i still like you know had a lot of things to take away from and um yeah i mean they do give you if you like you know don't know something they would expect you to they would give you the resources for you to like you know train yourself within like for example if you don't know a new software then they would point you towards the resources so you're expected to train yourself in that software get used to the you know uh, uh, the company's way of working and then you're also expected to like give back and become a part of the team and perform and I, would, I mean, overall it was a very good experience even though like my time in dubai was very short-lived it was just two months i couldn't uh, get a visa extension uh but yeah there was a lot of learning in that two months um, and okay. it, it worked out very well yeah
0: okay um shefali um i don't think you did an internship uh, abroad before uh before germany right um
2: uh- uh, no i didn't do an internship during my bachelor's abroad but i had i have another masters degree from uk yeah. so when i was there i was working there as well Okay. So, yeah, but then uh, I was a master's student. So, obviously, it's uh, fairly different from how I would have been if I were in bachelor's. So, I don't know. I cannot probably compare it with Amar or Yarni's uh, experience. But um, I had a good experience as well.
0: Yeah. So, I'm very curious about um, this. I think we will uh, end up doing a few comparisons for you um, because you've had one master's in an English-speaking country and one master's in Germany, right? And um, both are from good universities. So I think during the course of this conversation, um, I think we'll, we'll be able to at least flesh that out a little bit because I think language is a big issue with uh, where you are right now. So, yeah. Uh,
2: so, uh, not in the course, because the course is in English or within the university, it's outside. Yeah.
0: It's almost like real world experience is affected because of the language. Okay. So, um, now I think we'll get into the real meat of the conversation. Um, uh, I just wanted to get each of your unique perspectives of how you guys went about um, getting to where you are today, where you're studying today, uh, Yarni. Let's just start with you. Um, uh, you said you started your um, your application process to go and study um, about a year in advance. Um, so I think I started my process
1: pretty early, but not as early as I would like because um, I, I'll come on to that later. So I started my process um, a year before my course officially starts started and yeah, um, yeah uh, it, and the thing is I, I think that was still late because I had missed out on a lot of uh, scholarship opportunities because of that. Uh, because if you're aiming for a scholarship, like, like there is a big Chevening one, um, and then there is there are also a couple of other things offered by uh, the common the Commonwealth Scholarship offered by the British Council. So I missed out on all that at that point. Um, but still, I mean, I started and uh, I took like a good, I think a month, two months, two two and a half months just writing my SOP because uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted it all to. Be my own words and be my own experiences, and it was. And I was also working full time at that time, so I would my planning, my application planning happened after work, uh, from like you know 10 a.m. to 2 a.m. Unholy hours in unholy hours. So um, yeah, I mean, uh, but I would say like it was uh, it was quite challenging to balance both. Yeah. um but yeah i mean like yeah I, I i think it's also very important you know for you to like write your own sop because i know some of my friends uh, who have gone on to study masters where uh they've they've like you know uh, seen examples from the internet and then they've tried to like you know incorporate that uh, but if 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 you're aiming for a scholarship or if you want your application to get noticed i think it's best to just write your own you know, uh, own reflections of your own journey. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I t- I took like two months to write Sophie and then I took uh, I think a month and a half to apply uh, to all the wow. universities that I wanted to get into. I wasn't looking at any other countries because uh, from uh, from very early on I fixated on UK. Oh. So yeah, I mean that way. Really, yeah, it it was, it was pretty straightforward. Uh, and then so once I finished all the first set of applications for all the universities then there was separate application procedure for scot oh, sure. as well so yeah that happened, after and that took a good month and two months yeah
0: yeah and so um, so so tell me why did you choose this particular university what 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 really singled this one out uh
1: um, well i think mainly the uh the scholarship i got a 50 50 percent of my tuition uh yeah scholarship to study on this course um so it was mainly that and up until the final you know just before like finally deciding i was conflicted between this university and also another one and also kent university of kent because i'd gotten a scholarship uh there as well okay. and um, yeah, but then, but but yeah, the course modules were also very similar. So, uh, but I think here there was a better scholarship. And, okay. I've, and also it's a bigger university and I, and another another thing that actually prompted me towards choosing this is the city uh, itself so I'm studying in the University of Bath I don't think I've mentioned that wow. so uh, Bath is a very beautiful uh, place and you know it's, it's very quaint it has this old world, old world charm towards it and uh, yeah these are the things that I think personally I preferred this uh, over like you know big cities and uh, yeah so that's
0: that's one of the reasons Amar, why don't we also hear from you about uh, your experience because um, I think you had you had actually done a lot of research work about what actually has to happen and what people can do to go and study abroad
3: all uh, right so for me my whole process started a good year and a half before I actually planned to go and uh, Coincidentally, you were one of the people who actually like initiated that because uh, you had mentioned to me that uh, she had gotten the Fulbright Scholarship. And uh, so that's when I wanted to get in touch with you. And uh, she actually helped me a lot in trying to understand. So for me, the thing was, I had one thing quite clear in mind that I did not want to spend a penny on education anymore. So for me, I knew bachelors was a necessity. But beyond that, I was not ready to spend an exorbitant amount of money on my master's. So all my applications were more focused towards getting a scholarship. And then the second layer was actually which course. So I did a lot of filtration this way. It was like a month or two's worth of research where I narrowed down all of the universities that had a course which was in line with my architecture and orbit design thing. And which of these universities actually offered a one hundred percent scholarship, and which narrowed me down to about twelve or so, and uh, I did not restrict myself to uh, just you know a couple of countries. Like I was okay with it being being anywhere. So yeah, I started it say around September twenty nineteen is when I started. So March of twenty eighteen is I started my whole process of the application. So the research gave me good enough time because I knew when my scholarship dates are and usually when you're looking at uh, say a 100% scholarship you need to apply well one year in advance to the commencement
0: um where exactly did you get all this information about um, each university scholarship uh, you know how how much, whether they give you a full scholarship or a part scholarship is there any one place where okay. you got this information
3: So uh, there are two kinds of scholarship, essentially. One is a university given one and one is an external sources where you can get it. Most of the time, if I'm not wrong, very, very few universities give you 100%. So if you want to go for 100%, you need to go for an external source of scholarship. Like how Yalni was mentioning, you had the uh, Chevning scholarship or the Commonwealth. Those are also some of the ones that I applied to. Apart from that, one very good resource I could find was the Ministry of External Affairs uh, website, that is Indian Ministry of External Affairs. If you go in there, you actually have an education tab that lists down what are the possible scholarships that every country in the world has to offer. So, uh, like, yeah, so if you actually go in there, everything along with the deadline and all of that, so usually how these scholarships function are. They are done jointly with the Ministry of External Affairs. So it's like the government of such so-and-so country partners up with the Indian government and selects a uh, n number of students from the country who are eligible for that scholarship. And every scholarship is targeted towards a specific course. Like some might, some scholarships are only for aeronautical, for instance, some only for architecture, some purely for computer engineering. So I spent a good one week in the website of Ministry of External Affairs trying to find out the different government related because most of the government related ones are 100% scholarship. And that's when I came across a uh, 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 multiple ones of which one scholarship is what I got. Uh, so the research aspect is a lot. Uh, but the thing is there are so many scholarships that are available which many people don't know. In fact, towards the end of it, I have like a huge Excel file created country-wise split with shelter, which email address you need to submit, what are the documents you need to do. Uh, You know, you need to submit alongside each of these and all that. So now if someone asks me this, I I have an Excel file ready that I can, you know, send it across to them. So that's my thing one and a half year. I
0: can include that in the episode description.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay,
1: can I just say that after this, I think a lot of people are going to send you a request and ask you to share. With them <laughs> <their benefits>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, uh, yeah, so that was that was, I think, uh, for me, the process was a little bit longer purely because of that. The applications for the university uh, in comparison to what i had been through for the scholarship was actually very, very simple. Because what you mainly need is an SOP, and like Yalni rightly mentioned, the SOP is like, I think, crucial. I did almost 35 drafts of an SOP, uh, till I finally reached one. Yeah, and Shreya criticized a lot of those drafts, by the way, <laughs> and uh, I sent it to her as well. So I sent it to multiple people, and finally, after getting everyone's input, it took me a good three months to get my SOP, right? So yeah, I think finally I started in March, I finished my applications in December of 2018 to start my course of September next year.
0: Fantastic. Um, And to Yarni and Shefali, Shreya that he's talking about is my wife who um who got a Fulbright scholarship. So they were, uh, Amar and Shreya had something to talk about. <laughs> In terms of applications and everything like that. Um, So what did you, what scholarship did you actually end up with, Amar? Uh,
3: So this one is called Invest Your Talent in uh, Italy. It's a scholarship that is jointly given by the Ministry of uh, External Affairs of Italy and uh, India. And uh, essentially what it does is there are a select few. It's not just architecture. I think they have around 10 courses for which you're eligible to do that. Uh, there are some criteria you need to be under 27 in order to be eligible for that and the application process was very simple i had to submit a one minute video convincing them why they should give me a scholarship nothing else no portfolio no sop a one minute video of you talking convincing them so if you're able to convince them in one minute it's it's yours so that was quite tricky because when it's a sop you can write how much ever you want right you can give this thing But when you have to talk everything within 60 seconds, it was quite tricky. And it took around 10, 15 takes to actually get that right. Essentially, what the scholarship covers is your entire tuition fee. And it gives you a stipend of 1000 euros every month uh, for your entire duration of your course. So it essentially takes care of your, you know, your rent, your food, etc, etc. Uh, And the only clause in the scholarship was that I have to intern free of charge for a period of 300 hours at any Italian company. That was the only clause from my end. Because their idea is to get talent from outside the country to work for them is is essentially what. And if the company does like you, they would like to take you on full-fledged after that. I mean, that's, I think, their main focus. So, yeah, that was the one that I I got. Like I said, there are many others in different countries also that you can apply to. I did apply to, but I only got like two or three of them of which I I chose. uh, I chose Poland, like Milan.
0: And I suppose why you chose this particular college is because uh, you were getting a full scholarship to go and study there.
3: I was getting a full scholarship, one, yes. Second, uh, for my course, uh, Polytechnical is ranked world number 10. And uh, the that was higher than the other universities that I got in were AA school of architecture, then I got into uh, Manchester. And then there was uh, uh, Berkeley, UC Berkeley, but UC Berkeley, the even after the scholarship, the, the expensive, expenditure was way too high. This was it was two factors boiled down the ranking of world number ten in, in architecture and second the fact that I literally could leave without a, without spending a single penny from my pocket so I think those two club together was, was the deciding factor
0: yeah and like Yarni said I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who will reach out to you after this. <laughs> to get your take on how to go. Um, Shefali, I think um, since you were studying, uh, since you were studying in Germany and you were applying for that, um, you had a little bit more of a streamlined process, right? Um, with uh, UniAssist.
2: Yeah, yeah. So if you have to uh, make an application in any of the university in Germany, it goes through a common portal that's called UniAssist so you have to mm-hmm. use their services because that's what german universities want cuz uh, i think it's a fairly new one in the last decade i guess before you were able to make direct applications so you, you okay. as uh, german universities want you to send them your documents uh, your notarized yeah. documents so it goes to you you can apply into multiple universities through one portal and you have to send one set of documents you don't have to set send multiple documents so germany still is um, kind of old school with the printed out copies and cash and yeah they're still in that area they, they want to see things hard in their hand so okay. uni assist uh, helps in filtering out people uh yeah. with basically the basic eligibility criteria and qualifications, and then it gets sent to the university and the university then chooses' I don't know twenty or twenty five people out of the hundred two hundred applications that do get qualified
0: and um I think uh, we uh I think there were two steps to it, right so one part is online and one part is um offline like you said, you needed the the hard copies of your documents to reach them now um when you apply using uni assist is it a single application and they filter it down to the colleges or do you have to apply to the individual colleges through uni assist
2: so um in the online portal you have to make uh, different applications to different Mm -hmm. universities and it gets kind of stored within it uh but when you Post them, you post them just one set of documents which they need to verify uh, of what you have told them about. For example, with your bachelor's degree. And also um, German universities, depending on also the course, they have different cutoffs for your GPAs.
3: Okay. And we have
2: a 10-point scale GPA in India, but in Germany, they have a different kind of scale. So they have a five scale one to five one being the best five being fail oh okay. yeah it's opposite and also uh, it's uh, three uh, divisions between each number so 1.3 1.6 and then two and then 2.3 3. it's like that uh, so okay. they need to convert your GPA into their format to see if you are fit. You are kind of, uh, uh, you know, qualifying for what their cutoff GPA is for the university.
0: Okay, and um, how did you particularly choose this uh, university? What was your motivating factor here?
2: I actually chose the subject. There was a similar subject in uh, Stuttgart University and also Karlsruhe Institute of Technology, where I had. And to, could
0: you just say what your subject is as well?
2: Uh, it's called RE, resource efficiency in architecture and planning.
0: Okay.
2: So it is not uh, architectural, uh, core architectural. It is more okay. on the. Uh, sustainable management line sustainability management line of uh, architecture so it's
0: i think this is also why um some scholarships wouldn't apply to you right
2: yes because the core architecture scholarships don't apply to me so you have to apply for more like entrepreneurial scholarships or uh something that is more generic or something that they have which dad has a special category of uh scholarship towards sustainability studies in whatever so that applies but uh, and there are also scholarships uh, specifically for uh, like innovative thesis awards and stuff like that but uh, the architectural dad scholarship does not apply for this
0: Okay, so so getting back to what you were saying, um, the your particular course is uh, a bit unique to the university you're at right now. Yes. And um, does this allow you to also, I think you mentioned this, uh, that you wanted uh, to be able to extend this to a PhD. You wanted the option to be able to extend it at least. And how many years is uh, the PhD program once you join in?
2: So uh, the minimum is three and a half years, but there is no like maximum limit. You are not done with your PhD until you are not done with your PhD. So that's one good thing in Germany as well. (laughs) Yeah, you do it (laughs) right. You don't do it within this time.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: Okay. So. And uh, y- another good thing about the university that I'm in is uh, they usually support uh, practical PhDs, which are mm-hmm. kind of uh, connected with uh, think tanks or government bodies as like a research program that they're working towards. And a yeah. lot of the um, smaller branches are kind of the whole picture for climate-adaptive architecture, and Germany kind of has a goal of uh, Germany 2050 carbon neutral. So whatever they have to do from whatever side, they fund it, and they try and get it done. So, yeah, and uh, the thesis that I'm going to work is kind of going to revolve around uh, uh, water resource management.
0: Okay. Okay. And um, I think that's a super useful thing right now, especially here where...
2: Oh, the interesting thing is my site is Chennai.
0: Ah, okay. <laughs> so what you talked about, the weather being very uh, very conducive to you in uh, Europe is not going to apply at all if Chennai is in your sights.
2: Yeah, that's true. But I think it also came up with the whole problem that uh, Chennai has uh, two extremes, like it has flooding and it has drought back to back. And somehow there is this challenge of water resource not being managed right when there is flooding and letting it go into uh, the Bay of Bengal and uh, um, Indian Ocean and uh, then there is immediate drought. What can be done in like the urban context where it works out. So, um, yeah, more or less, it's in that direction.
0: You mentioned also that not only do scholarships not apply to the course you're doing, but that was offset by the fact that uh, there is no tuition fee in Germany, uh, especially for the course that you're studying right now. So that must have helped you also along the way. Right. But uh, now as part of that, um, what do you actually pay anything to the university?
2: So if I, if there were a scholarship that I would have got, then it would have been a lump sum amount that goes to you. Okay. Oh yeah. So it's not, it's because there's no tuition fees. So yeah. it's just, you get a lump sum amount uh, like 5,000 euros or 10,000 euros. And yeah. And that probably would go towards my living cost. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, however, it's different in case of uh, UK or, or like Amar said with uh, Milano where it goes into tuition fees as well as a stipend. So here the scholarship would have worked out different. Uh, now that I, I anyway had uh, decided upon Germany because of no tuition fee criteria is because I didn't want to be dependent on scholarship. Uh, oh. I was like, okay, even if I don't get one scholarship, I am not going to not go. And uh, yes, I do pay a certain fee to um, the university, which is called as a semester registration fee. And uh, it is different in different universities, depending where the university is at. If it's a small town, it's much lower. It's based on the standard of living of the city as I'm in a metropolitan, which is Hamburg. So my fees is 330 euros a semester.
0: Okay. And what does that uh, include?
2: That, that covers, that also covers uh, a lot of discounts for students in a, in different places. And it also includes my uh, metro, bus, all sorts of public transport uh, pass for the whole semester. So, basically, I am paying for that. The Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's very, really essential to get around yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah.
2: And as I am in Hamburg, and there are about like 8 to 10 universities here, it covers the whole of Hamburg and also the vicinity of Hamburg district which is not hamburg okay. city uh, for okay. the tra- for travel but if you were in a smaller city so for example hanover is slightly smaller and it's about like an hour from hamburg so yeah. if you were in the university of hanover you would be able to come okay. to hamburg for free as well okay because their idea is for the students to be able to access libraries as much as possible So Hamburg being a big city, having its own, uh, like having about 15 libraries, they didn't think that, okay, Hamburg students will need to go out, but Hanover students can access Hamburg library. Also with this uh, fee that you pay, uh, you uh, you can use library resources or hiring of books or whatever from any university or any national library, like central library. Uh, yeah
0: so it has a lot of perks in it so now that um uh, we know how you guys actually got to your universities the application process scholarship process and so on um i would like to talk about um the campus experience and uh, amar you told me something very there was one particular sentence that you used which i found very interesting um which is your masters education is more up is about the experience of studying there and 20% the education while studying there. Um, Could you just talk a little bit about what you enjoyed about that campus um, and um, how has it changed as well? We'll start first with how it was before COVID. We'll go into COVID a little bit later.
3: Okay, so uh, I mean the campus experience mainly was I was studying in Miyasi in India. So we had a 9 to four college almost like school and then it's 4 four 30 you're supposed to leave the campus and here it's the campus is open 24 7 you know you walk in when you want your you don't have like a strict timetable like a class timing like you know if it gets over at two you leave at two you stay back you work and uh one i don't know if this is there with other universities uh with polymy every project has to be done in a group you don't do it alone so just the fact that and a lot of professors also had to think that you should not group with people of your, of your country. So by default, like I had a group which was with one Iranian person, one Chinese person, someone from Turkey, someone from Spain. You're like trying to understand how the same project brief is being solved by multiple people, you know, of different contexts. And, and when you're sitting in campus in the same table and solving something, it's it's like really, really different versus, you know, when you're doing the same thing across this way, you know, on a screen. So I think that was probably the most interesting aspect of the campus experience, just meeting people who, it was the same solution, but the approach to that solution was so widely different. And also, um, like how I had said before, the university did not have a compound wall. There was no this thing where the university ended and the city began. And I think this is something to do with every uh, European university where, you know, you you don't know where your campus is ending and then your commercial area starts or your residential area starts. And just the fact that to move from one class to the other, I had to maybe walk a kilometer to go. And these were all experiences that I hadn't dealt before because Miyasi was literally a G plus two building you know, with no campus at all. Uh, And with regard to uh, me saying that a master's is 80% experience and 20% the education, especially for me, the fact, I don't think I know this may seem a little controversial, but I haven't learned a single thing new in my master's. Nothing that I already knew, you know, did not know before. Uh, purely because I feel I'm, I'm doing a course that's architecture and urban design unlike Shafali, who's doing something like, you know, completely different and it's, it's new, it's not something that's taught to us in our undergraduation, etc. So it was all just the idea of perceiving this, getting come to the same solution but in a different manner and in a different methodology, that experience was pretty much what, what it was for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's really... Uh... So what you just said, right, I think is quite common across multiple people that I've spoken to as well who talk about the fact that it's not necessary that they learn something new, but the way they learn it is different, the way they experience what they're learning is different, and um, uh, probably even your um, outdoor experiences
3: on campus is quite different than what you'd experience here. Right, definitely, definitely, yeah, and... uh also just the professors like i remember i was telling this to you earlier that uh, one very interesting thing about my course is that they allot you 10 credits every uh you know year those 10 credits have to be fulfilled but i don't have to do anything architecture related i can go to the mathematics department and do a take a studio which is mathematical or i can go to a physics department or to any department so i have the freedom of Studying something that's not necessarily architecture or urban design. So I think that fills the gap of, you know, how are you trying to do something different than what you are? So I think that level of, uh, you know, uh, openness, like, you know, where you don't have to study only this, like how it how we are used to in our Indian universities, I think they are a little bit more free. They don't think you need to only study this in order to get your degree.
0: Okay. And Shefali, I think um, the campus that you're on is, a, as you said, it was an urban campus and I guess it was not sprawling grounds that um, extend into the city and things like that, right? You're very much a part of the city.
2: Yeah. Um, I, You know, you have reached Hafen City when the, the metro station is called Hafen City University. So... That's, yeah. You get out of that, you walk like about 200 meters and there's, there's your building. But the building is not like going too vertical. It is uh, about four floors high, but it's also kind of spread out. And yeah. in the harbor, so one side is you see ships and other things going. And there's like a space for students to sit and that's attached to the canteen, which is called Mensa here. And okay. the rest others are divided into um, departments. And It's a very Bauhaus-looking building.
0: Yeah, it's a very striking building. Yeah. Mm.
2: So very very international style. Um, oh. Yeah.
0: Um, I think um, also this is a good time for to ask you and Amar about your experiences uh, as things changed, right? So before COVID, uh, it was probably a bit more open. You would have been able to have your um, uh, studios and your lectures and everything like that in person, right? And there would have been a lot more social interaction. Um, Amar, so I heard about what was happening with you a little earlier than I heard about what's happening with Shefali. Um, that you that you came back in your second semester because of COVID last year. Right? So, how hard was it for you to come back um, and study from here?
3: Um, It was honestly, I would say the two best semesters of my master's, I did it online. So I honestly discount those two semesters as they were kind of worthless because of the fact that my two studios of semester two and semester three, one was supposed to be an on-site work in Venice And the second was supposed to be an on-site work in Marrakesh in Morocco. And I did the same work on Google Maps. So the entire those two semesters were supposed to be going to Venice or going to Morocco and understanding the site, physically experiencing it and then giving your proposals. And none of that happened. Though I've never visited either of the two cities. And I just had to go through YouTube and video blogs and try to get my interpretation of those and then give out a proposal. Uh, And also what happened was this was the first time that any of these professors were actually doing an online course. So for them, they have also been teaching the same course so many years as a physical uh, studio, right? Like, you know, you go, they come to site with you and teach you. It was very difficult for them also to translate the same thing in an online manner. Even they were learning how to do it. So uh, I would say it was, it was impossible to do that like I we we probably achieved only thirty percent of the result that we had hoped to achieve had it been an in person studio. So uh, especially for those two semesters, I was very unlucky where uh, the teaching aspect was it wasn't it. And I don't blame them because they couldn't do anything. You know, there's only so much even they can give you over a laptop. So yeah, I think that uh, that specific thing was quite difficult to do it do it online.
0: And now, um, for your final semester, you're back in Milan.
3: Yes, uh, for my final semester, I'm back in Milan. Unfortunately, my final semester is my thesis and my internship. This semester, I could have done it online very easily. (laughs) But it just so happens that (laughs) I have come for this, but purely because I had the last semester, I wanted to be here, at least use the university campus in terms of libraries, laboratories, workshops, etc. Uh, so, yeah, I am here. So, I hope to be done. I only have like four months left of my course
0: now. Okay. And uh, Shifali, um you never came back to India um, at all, right? You stayed there throughout.
2: I did not, I did not come back. Uh, because uh, it wasn't, I think, they, maybe because Germany, it wasn't as bad as it was in Italy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they somehow were able to like uh, uh, manage... Somewhat where it wasn't going off the charts and crazy. Uh, So, and Hamburg was also kind of uh, one of the big cities that was least affected. Yeah. So, yeah, and uh, they say that Germans, uh, like stereotypically, are very orderly. So, if there's a rule, they're strictly following it. There's no crazy things happening. And uh, yeah, they and they police each other also for following it. Yeah. So,
0: I guess that's a good thing.
2: Very good thing. Very good thing. Very boring, but very good thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I didn't have to go back, and uh, like Amar said, it was similar with me. My last semester was supposed to be a um, in niche Serbia, yeah. and uh, yeah. it was an on-site project which we did online with uh, all. The- also, it was kind of like a collaborative uh, project with the Niche School of Technology and from their architecture yeah. department. So we had Zoom meetings and we would ask our tandem group over there, and it was also a group, to go take pictures of the site and give, ask them questions and ask them to go to the site and get us the information so that we can work on it. So yeah, we managed how much ever resources were at hand with that, and yeah, uh, yeah even we could under understand that it was challenge for our professors too, because it was their first experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, when I was interviewed for my position uh, for next semester the first thing the professors are saying can you come up with more interactive things that we can do over zoom so that it's it's more like a le- more better learning experience so yeah. i can understand them asking that and then saying that okay as you have also had the very recent experience it would be yeah. really nice where you can give us feedback on how we can make the whole learning and the whole design approach um more uh, um like entertaining and not boring and people are trying to like switch off the camera and move away from the screen kind of thing and I was like yeah, yeah. okay I will, I will work on that definitely and uh, uh like yes yeah. we're still working on our final project uh, report so yesterday mm. I was at my friend's place and she was saying can you believe it we all had jobs we all had like uh, we all left our jobs and came into a full time masters for a college, university life, and we are sitting in front of the computer. If we knew this, we would be still working, right? And I was like, yeah, that's true.
0: Yarni, I think uh, you have a unique start to your masters where uh, you started your masters during COVID. I think it was in November, was it? That's right.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was end of September. Yeah.
0: Okay. And uh, end of September. And you started actually studying your masters online from India. Right. Yeah. So, uh, what what was uh, just talk me through how you managed to get started once you actually reached England and um, what what has that experience been like? Have you been able to experience the campus at all?
1: Uh, well, yes and no because so when I started my masters in India, it so my master's course deals with. Um, energy efficiency deals with uh, net zero buildings, and it and we also learn about you know the strategies uh, that would reduce carbon emissions from buildings. So it is a very technical course, and um, you know, unlike and, and Amar said uh, about like you know uh, knowing all these concepts, I, I I don't I didn't have I mean whatever I'm learning, uh, whatever I have learned, everything was completely new. So uh, while I was in India, I think, I mean, uh, that was okay. It, it it was okay to do it online because it is a very individualistic, um, uh, you know, course where you have to like learn these things and you have to pick up on these concepts and you have to, uh, you know, go to library and you have to, um, you'll have to like improve your knowledge. So... And our professors also encourage that. They also encourage self-study. So in our first semester, how, how it basically structured is our first semester is where uh, we are being introduced to you know all these technical concepts. And the second semester, we have a multidisciplinary project that we work with, not just people in my course, but then people in the other courses in the department. Like for example, uh, in my team, we'll have somebody from uh, conservation, and then we'll have Somebody from uh, structure, uh, structure and materials, and then we'll have somebody else from uh, modern building design, and then and then you know somebody else from my course. So all of these like you know different disciplines together collectively work on a project brief. So that will be my second semester, which I have just started, it, it's been a week. And my third semester is going to be a final dissertation. So when I was in India, it was the, I, I was in India for a short time. Uh, I think um, one and a half months after, into my first semester, I moved over here. So, which which wasn't too bad to be honest, because like I said, I mean, it, it, it was all these like new concepts and uh, you can wrap around your head uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, Yeah. Uh, But I would say one negative thing was sort of like, you know, relating to the context, all these uh, is being talked about because um, it is a course where our very first lecture was in climate change. So, and it's a course that requires you to understand, you know, the context and the different uh, climatic conditions around the world. Uh so, yeah, I mean, while our professors were talking about uh, heating dominated climate in India, we have a cooling dominated climate. So even though you can like, you know, look up charts online and you can try to like go into Google Map and understand uh, everything that's happening. But I think the experience is much more fruitful if you experience it yourself so that, yeah, you sort of, you know, understand and you can relate to whatever you're studying better. So I felt like I felt that. Uh, I was able to relate to things better after coming to the u k and um I mean and settling down wasn't too much of a hazard uh, yeah because I mean I think we're all living luckily we're all living at a time where uh technology and communication has become uh, has you know has 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 become uh hugely like important and it's right there at the forefront of things so yeah, I, uh, it 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 wasn't too difficult, like, you know, uh, moving and um, yeah, it had its challenges. Like I didn't get my visa on time and I don't live in a university accommodation, so I live in a private accommodation. So coming here and setting up everything from broadband to electricity uh, to water and everything, making calls. Uh, UK actually has terribly long waiting period for calls. So <laughs> just doing all that was challenging. Um yeah but i mean i think uh, once it all settles down then it gets better yeah i but i i, I mean with that being said i don't know uh, i don't know how the next semester is going to be because like i said we're working on a multidisciplinary project and uh, i and i think like you know for a project like this the campus experience that amar and shifal you were talking about is very important uh so and it looks like things are going to you know open again soon, so let's let's wait and see how that works out yeah
0: well, let's hope um just uh, I think now this is something that I can ask all three of you about uh, what's it been like with your relationship with your peers the other guys in your course have you been able to bond um? With them, have you been able to build those friendships or is it still a bit restricted?
3: I mean, for me, luckily, the I was there for a good five months before COVID uh, started. So I was able to make yes in terms of friends quite a lot from different backgrounds. Like, you know, I went and purely because we were made to work in groups, right? So you're meeting new people in literally every studio. So I was quite lucky and it was only in the first semester that I managed to make friends and after the other two semesters when you're online, you're not meeting anybody new at all because you're sitting on, you know, in your own room. So luckily that at least I'm grateful that there was at least one semester where I could interact with people.
0: Okay. What about you, Shefali?
2: Yeah, I mean, I have been here the whole time and all the semesters we have one project that is group work Yeah, we have, um, I have been able to make pretty good friends. I think the social life got affected because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Other than that, even when it was like summer, people were barbecuing, people were out and there's a river over here, so they do water sports. So we, I have had uh, whatever I could have got the best out of COVID. So yeah pretty fortunate in that but if you if i would like to if i would have to compare this with when i was in edinburgh then definitely massive difference because also uh, there's a cultural difference between german people yeah. and uh, scottish people
0: yeah
2: so uh, yeah i think uh, culturally this country is slightly introverted mm. you will take some time to like warm up to them so yeah, i have close German friends, but it took me a while before I was in the inner circle with them and I was close to them. Uh, unlike uh, in the UK and I don't know about uh, Italy, but Italians are pretty, uh you know, warm and welcoming. So uh, I guess uh, that, that would be one thing, especially, which is a cultural aspect.
0: So you, I think you were saying, you were telling me... Um, uh, while mm. we spoke for the pre-interview that uh, you guys had a group text with all your uh, classmates and things like yeah. that. and it's pretty much stayed That's the same it. now, right?
1: Uh, so I think uh, you know making friendships, I would say definitely I have made friends. Uh, but I think the process were a bit delayed. Because uh, in the beginning, you know, how everybody was sort of like getting used to the whole online, um, online, you know, a way of uh, online method of teaching. Uh, Even even though some of my course mates were in Bath, they weren't able to go to the university because uh, England had its restrictions. People were able to go only once a week um uh, but yeah so in the beginning it was just like you know people logging in when there is a class and then people logging off when the lecture gets over uh but i think like you know like i said earlier we are all well connected at in this age so we have like a whatsapp group chat and uh we've uh, and then we i mean consciously we all made it a point to like you know uh have Uh, private sessions amongst, private Zoom sessions amongst ourselves uh, without like, you know, the university or without the lecturer involved. And um, that has worked out great. And we also, uh, once I got over here, I think I, uh, I met a lot of my classmates also. And um, yeah, so I, 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 you know, one thing that actually surprised me through all this COVID experience is our ability to adapt. I think uh, everybody has, you know, adapted quite uh, well. And um, yeah, my my course also, we're 11 in my class and all of of us actually come from like, you know, different parts of the world. So meeting them was really nice because you get, I mean, I got like an insight into uh, their cultures and uh, the different things, their way of like, you know, approaching. Uh, different things. So that was, that was really nice. I don't have like a um, experience to compare it to like how Amar and Chapali had pre-COVID campus experience. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, doing it like digitally uh, is pretty good, I would say.
0: Yeah. Um, I have one um, quick question. You don't need to elaborate too much on it. Uh, this is for, uh, or you uh, Yani and Amar because both of you actually have studied your course online from India and then online in the city or the country mm-hmm. where you're at right mm-hmm. now. Is there too much of a difference between the two?
3: No, here the only difference is that tomorrow, tomorrow if I want to work, like you know, post my studio hours, I can still meet my group mates and work, you know because they are all in Milan. But there, even if I had to work with them, I still had to do that you know, over the Microsoft Teams app. And I couldn't like meet or design together. That That's probably the only difference. The fact that all of us are in the same place.
2: Also the time difference oh, would yes. be a yes. challenge.
3: Definitely. You know, last semester, there was one group member of mine who was in Canada and I was in India. And then there was one more in Milan. <laughs> So it would, it would take us so long to the schedule one time where everybody could be awake and, you know, can actually attend the call.
2: Yeah, I think that is what I did not face as a problem, that even though our classes were online and everything, in Germany, the rules were you can meet uh, two households at a time two households with maximum five people. This was before things got a little crazy. So we were four people in a group and we were uh, three households. We were like, whatever, we are meeting at somebody's kitchen table and whoever had the biggest place and we will sit together and work together. So somehow we did manage to do it, if not in campus in somebody's kitchen table.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, just one thing to add on to this is I think, uh, you know, doing it online over here, Um, is slightly advantageous because you have the university's library and um, yeah, which is open 24-7. And, uh, you know, once your class gets over and if you feel like you've got like, you know, too much screen time and if you want to take a break, but at the same time, uh, if you've got work to do, you can always, you know, go to the library and, um, and yeah, you can like meet people in campus as well. Uh, which 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 is good because I think any day physical learning and it's much better than you know doing it online so yeah
0: so now that um, two of you um, uh, Shefali and Amar you're in countries where English is not the primary language um, could you briefly uh, just uh, mention just a couple of things that people need to take into account if they want to come and study in some in something like germany or italy shifali
2: with germany i can say that if somebody is planning on coming here even if the course is in english i would uh, mm-hmm. like uh, very sternly suggest to at least get uh, an elementary level of german knowledge because okay. the signs everything is in german you should know what is the alternative like if you go into a, um, a grocery store everything is in german so to get a clarification of which aisle is for what, and also there are similarities uh, between English language and German language. So elementary should not be that hard. Um, okay. And there are, there are so many institutes like Goethe in uh, India where you can get that uh, thing done, or Deutsch Academy maybe in uh, consulates. You can yeah. go for. It classes and uh, it should take about like uh, four weeks for each level. A1 being four week and A2 maybe six weeks. So it should be done within two months. But if you're going for a technical subject uh, then uh, uh, B1 will be okay with that because uh, it, it's fine. But if you're going for a subject that requires you to do a little more research and writing then they would need you to at least a B2 level and B1 and B2 each level probably takes six weeks to master or at least least get used to it, mastering is It's not going to be crazy difficult because everyone speaks in English over here. They know how to speak in English but you will always like prompt them into switching their language for your comfort. Sometimes it's you feel like okay I'm being awkward. Uh, yeah. And they're obviously comfortable in English, uh, sorry, German. So it's best to know the language. And if you plan on staying here and working,
0: then you definitely need to know the language.
2: Yeah, definitely. Even if you are in a in, in an industry which is international and does not require German language, still the yeah. day-to-day conversations, emailing, and um, all yeah. those things are... Uh, uh, appreciated in German. So, if you don't know German at all,
0: it's going to be very difficult. Uh, Amar, how, uh, how are things for you in Italy?
3: It's literally exactly what Shafali said. I, I, it's it's the same thing. I think that's something that's quite common with all non-English speaking European uh, countries. Even with professors, though they may talk to you in, in English, their English may not be as strong as their Italian. So, an italian person may be able to explain his concepts easier to them and it might be like the communication may be a little more slow so if you're coming here it's i mean you can put in the extra effort to maybe learn a little i don't think the consulate in in, in the case of italy uh, offers anything but you have a lot of uh, uh, private spaces where you can learn learn italian
2: uh, i'm sure uh, amaz university also offers it Uh, My university offers German language courses.
3: Yes, 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 it does. It does for international students. Yeah.
2: I did not have, I had an A1 level of knowledge in German and I was like, okay, I'll see what happens. So, because my university offers it, I could take it. So, there's that option as well. But it's always better to have that knowledge and come here and, uh, yeah, because um, I mean, if Central Station is called Hauptbahnhof. It's nowhere close oh. to the word central station or main station. Uh, or, um, yeah, and uh, so somebody is giving you a direction of uh, how to reach somewhere. It's basic things, it just is uh, slightly, yeah, challenging.
0: Yeah. Um, Yarni, I think... Um... Since you, you are right now in England and uh, language isn't really a big issue for you. Um, I also wanted to uh, start with you on the next question, which again will come to all of you. Um, is that as you're all foreign students staying in another country, you, some, some, some foreign students need to, uh, to get some sort of a part-time job. Is that, is that possible on your visa or where you are?
1: Uh, so, in, in, in the UK, in England where I am currently, I'm on the tier 4 visa, so which gives you uh, 20 hours to work part-time when you're a student, and uh, this, is, this 20 hours is during term time, and uh, during vacations, you get to work uh, 32 hours, and um, yeah once your course is done, then you get a, a stay-back visa of six months. And after that, the UK government has announced this new program where uh, uh, you can apply for a two-year stay-back visa. Uh, sorry, for a two-year work visa, uh, which is a, a new application in itself. It's not a uh, you, you cannot extend it on the, the current visa that you have. Um, so yeah, that application starts in June. And another way of uh, uh, you know, uh, getting a visa is uh, also through the company that you find work in. Certain companies have are licensed sponsors, so yeah, if you're working in one company, you can request, uh, yeah, you can request for a visa.
0: Okay. Um. What about you, Shafali? I think you also had some experience working, right? But I think language is still an issue when you need to even get a part-time job.
2: The place I was uh, working, it wasn't really uh, because I was working on technical things. So, but obviously they understood that I don't know that much of German. So, no. as far as I could understand, uh, they would speak, but then they switch. So, obviously they would be accommodating. Same thing. I have like three hours work uh, uh, permission for uh, within the week, and uh, you can work anything less than 20 hours it doesn't have to be 20 hours exactly and when your term time is not there you can work full time which is 40 hours a week
0: okay um now Amar, i know you did you aren't uh, working there right now um, while you're studying but um i just I thought just a quick question on about um your uh, about how if uh, foreign students are allowed to stay back and work after uh, after your course is done. does that is that allowed when you're studying in Italy?
3: Uh, yeah, it's allowed. Uh, same thing, one year is what you're allowed to stay back and work as per your visa. And uh, if within that one year time, you're able to get a contract that, you know, extends out to how many ever years, it, it, I think it's pretty much the same, like quite similar.
0: The last single question to all three of you, um, which is... Since most of the audience of this podcast are young architects or architecture students or young photographers or photography students, for that matter, uh, who may be either finishing their bachelors and may be looking for their masters or they already have a couple of years of experience. um, What do you think potential Indian students can, uh, what's the one thing that you feel is something that they can look forward to if they were to come and study in Europe or specifically where you are. Shefali? Um,
2: definitely a higher standard of uh, student and teacher interaction because okay. the accountability is from the from both sides. It's not just students who get uh, rated for exams or whatever performance. It's uh, uh, wh- whoever is teaching does also get rated. Um, I That was similar in VIT. So, we do rate our teachers about how the semester went by with subjects and whatever. And uh, they take their feedback into serious consideration. It's not just for the sake of it. So, definitely that's there. And you will get a lot of uh, good technical support in terms of um, softwares and whatever is required for your uh, studies. Um, Similarly, library resources. Also, my university Mm -hmm. uh, had already had a a library online but you know where they were restricting students in the library physically as well they have completely moved to moved online as well so there there are a lot more resources that you can access to from the university library and you can also get access to uh, papers that are in uh, Elsevier or uh, ResearchGate or Academia or JSTOR, which you would, if you would try individually, would probably have to pay. But from your university account, it's free for you. A lot of uh, academic research work you'll get access to.
0: Um, yani, I think um, when we spoke earlier, mm-hmm. you were talking about a diff- slightly different approach to the teaching that you had experienced when you went there.
1: Yeah. I think uh, this might sound boring, but then uh, one thing that you can look forward to is the uh, disciplined way of things. Uh, When I say discipline, I mean like, you know, structured uh, systems and structured uh, method of study, or even like, you know, when it comes to work, I think things here are much more structured. So it almost like, you know, makes uh, your life as a student very easy. Uh, because yeah, I mean, like there is a tried and tested method of study, and which is suggested to you. So you just have to like you know uh, follow that and make the best use of it. And um, I would say another thing to look forward to. I, I think it's you know it's a very pretty landscape, and the change of environment is always very good. And uh, especially if if you're on a technical course. Uh, I think like you know it helps to be over here and apply the things that you're learning or even even if it's not a technical course, even if it's a design course. It, it, I think in a field like architecture, it's all about you know the experience and the exposure that you get uh, that you get from you know everything, right um from meeting people or from experiencing a new culture or it can even be like you know eating a different food. Uh, i think I think yeah, uh, what I'm trying to say is, um there, there are a lot of sources for you to get inspired from and um also there are a lot of opportunities here I would say um yeah I mean like if you want to opportunities that suit like your interests uh like for example uh if you if if you're somebody who's like you know uh interested in um uh let's say like wine making or like you know even uh, going on a uh, going on a skyline tour or something like that uh yeah then it, it, it yeah you have the opportunity to sort of like indulge in all that and uh, these things eventually will help you will give you like you know the break away from your academics and yeah overall it it overall i think it makes it a fun experience yeah
0: okay amar anything to add
3: um, I mean, I I don't mean to be like uh, snobby, but have you seen that Instagram pay, uh, meme of, you know, what people think uh, students do abroad versus what they actually do? Uh, yeah. It's basically, <laughs> please don't glorify studying abroad. Uh, it's, uh, it's nice, but the thing you should look forward to is don't look forward to too much. Okay it's it's not going to be like starkingly different, like you're not going to get your minds blown and all of that. It is an experience. Whether it is a good experience or a bad experience is up to you. Okay, and don't, like if you come in and you say like, I've come for the course and the course is going to be amazing, you're going to I'm sorry, you're going to be disappointed. You get, you come into your master's, there's multi, it's almost like a ticket to come into a different country and what you do with that ticket is up to you. You come and just sit in class and go back home. There's nothing to look forward to, honestly. Like Yalini was saying, there's multiple other aspects to the whole thing. And education-wise also, um, it's good. It's something new. How how it's going to probably help you is completely in your hands. So a lot, like 80% of the people I know have not been satisfied with their master's purely because they went with such a high expectation that, oh, I'm going to go here and study. It's not going to be that amazing. It's all in your hands, like, you know, to actually build something out of it. So I would say, honestly, look at what your five-year goal plan is before you actually decide to come into your master. If you come in without having, like, what is it that you're coming in for, then it's kind of, like, futile in my opinion.
0: I think that's a really pragmatic way to end this uh, conversation, and I hope I think we we have spoken so much, right? The three uh, the three of you guys have talked so much and so in such detail about what people can expect. I think uh, if anyone comes away from listening to this being super excited about going to study abroad, they're probably going to have a good experience because it's a well balanced conversation. Um, so thank you guys very much. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking to you and. Uh, Some of you, have all all three of you, I'm reconnecting with after a while and Amar, you're the first return guest on the podcast. So you have that honor and uh, thank you guys so much. Well, that's our show for this week. You can find links to get in touch with my guests in the episode description below on YouTube or if you're listening to the audio podcast, just swipe or tap over the cover art. You can watch other full episodes and curated playlists at EverythingComesTogether.com Please subscribe to Srinam Pictures on YouTube or you can listen to the audio podcast by subscribing to Everything Comes Together on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and leave a 5-star review. If you like this episode, please tell a friend about it and help get the word out about this show. The music for this podcast was composed by Ashray Harishankar from Escapist Music, post-production by Thiruvikraman Srinivasaragavan and production assistance by Abdul Jalani. Until we meet again with another fascinating guest, you can reach me on Instagram at Srinag or at EverythingComesTogether.com. Have a good day.